Who's amazed at what God has done in your life already? Isn't he wonderful? And God works quick, doesn't he? It's slow during the process, day to day. But then you look back and you go, wow, that was quick. Who thinks, looking back at your own life, you go, wow, that was quick. The day to day, the struggle when you're going through the actual thing, it seems like it's never going to end. But when you look back, you're, you're shocked at what God has actually done in you in such a short amount of time. Man, God is so good to us. I love Him and I love His Word. God preserved His Word for us. It is the foundation to uh, any sermon. It should be His Word. Any truth that you should find in a church should be founded on His Word. Not on culture, not on society, not on the times that we live in. Certainly not from television or Hollywood. <laughs> Although we don't even realize we create our realities based on those things all the time. We're constantly, and we change, right? Because then we meet someone and we have a situation with a person or a family or a friend, right? Whatever. And then and we start to readjust our reality based on all of those different things every single day. But God's word is the same in fact, God said of himself, he is the same. The Bible says yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. Society changes. Our clothes has changed, right? <laughs> Fashion changes. God doesn't change. Our language changes. God doesn't change. God is the same. He is always the same. And God chose, this is a miraculous thing that he chose for us to have his word. He could have given us very little and just expected us to believe in him. The Bible says there's a blessing for us that actually believe and have not seen. But he's given us a huge volume. Who has read the whole Bible this year? You don't see a huge show of hands. It wasn't to condemn you, but the point is there's a lot there, isn't, that? isn't there? A lot in that book. He has given us every facet of himself. He's given us everything that we need to know about everything. There's so much in there. And sometimes we say, oh, we don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. And usually it's just because we haven't taken the time to let the Holy Spirit just start getting it into our hearts. It's in our minds, and they're just words. There's, you know, they're the same exact words that I can use to make any... I could tell you a, a conversation from the devil and use the same exact words from the Bible. So why is it so powerful? Why is the Bible life? Is it just the arrangement of the words? Or is it because God breathed on those specific words come together? The Bible tells us that, that that book, it's inspired. All scripture is inspired by God. And it's true. Men and women did write it. God did not come down from heaven and write it in your iPad, in your iPhone, your Samsung, or your Bible. God didn't write it. A man wrote that, but the Bible says it was inspired. And this is the thing, and you've heard me say this before, I need to say it again. We have to make a choice to believe the Bible from cover to cover. 
if you only believe a portion of the Bible, why believe any of it? You cannot just pick and choose. As soon as we start picking and choosing what we believe and what we don't believe, why even waste your time with religion at all? Why waste all that time? And I spend a lot of time, <laughs> a lot of time with God and his word and having a church now today, a lot of time. But it's not a waste because it's truth, because it's real, because this is life. This is the only thing that matters. But if I was trying to take some of my opinions, some of the world's opinions, maybe take a little bit from this religion, that religion, and we'll just mix together and create our own faith. Just stop for a second. Just stop for a second and think about how silly that is. It's like a mechanic. And uh, he took your engine apart. But he says, you know what? I'm going to put this thing back together for my client, but they don't need all these parts. It wouldn't run very good, would it? Maybe you could do without the air conditioning. It's not going to work. <laughs> Dawn's shaking her head no. I can't either. I like air conditioning too. <laughs> but it's not going to work too good if the pistons aren't in there. You say, I don't need this. This is irrelevant. It's not relevant today. God's word is his word. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, let's just turn there. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. God's word. It's good, isn't it? It's good. I told you last week, the Bible says that it's like honey on your lips. It's sweet. And what happens is when you consume his word, when we read his word, if we will let it get down into our heart, just the same way you eat a food, you can believe that that's food. I can believe that this is food in front of me. I can look at it and I can understand it and I can comprehend it. But until I take that food and I let it go inside of me, it's just a belief. It's, it's an understanding. But the belief that we talk about as Christians, the faith that we talk about as, as Christ followers is the type of belief where we actually let it get in us and do good for us. And that's what the Bible says of itself. There's a scripture in the Bible talking about the Bible. And it says, the word of God. Let's read that out loud. Four, the word of God. It's alive. Everybody say, it's alive. It's a living word. God is relevant. God is still alive. He did not die on the cross. It was a temporary thing that the world and even Satan did not understand. But three days later... We're about to celebrate in two weeks, right? On Easter Sunday, it's not a rabbit, it's not chocolate. That's fine, you want to do those things. But Jesus rose again on the third day. Come on. He is alive and powerful. And Jesus, who breathed on this book, who breathed on these words, who lived these words, he is sharp. Come on, Jesus is sharp. Say it out loud. So you believe me. 
He's sharp, and it says sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cuts in both ways. It's cutting between, say that out loud, soul and spirit. Between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The word is actually working for you. You think I'm just reading a book. I mean, I've said it before, but hell's angels, they join together as a club, get together and have meetings, right? They're very consistent. They love each other in their way. They're going to have words. What is it about this thing that we do? You having the word in your own personal time and then the word being shared here, what is happening? These are living words. And you came in here today as a soul and a spirit. And the Bible says that those, those two parts of you are warring. They're warring for control of you. And you don't have to be convinced of that. Who is aware of that war inside you? You know, cartoons have made it, right? Little devil here, little angel there. It's actually a, 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 an interesting uh, close picture. I mean, you have to think outside the box, but that's kind of what's happening. God has been wooing you, and he's been doing things for your life and trying to grab you since the moment you were born. The Bible says that he formed you in your mother's womb, but then you were born into a world that says, me, 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 me. Who's aware of that world we live in? And that your soul wants it. Who knows that your soul wants me? <laughs> your soul's thinking about me, myself, and I all the time. But the Spirit of God, Jesus said of himself, even Jesus out of his own words, Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. The Son of God, okay, I mean, beyond. Not just we think of him in human form because he came in a human form, and that's fine. He was willing to do that. It's fine to think of him like us on earth because he did come in a human body. But he is the son of God above it all and before it all and after it all. I mean, just the bigness of who Jesus is. It says that he was with God in John before the world began. And through Jesus, God spoke everything you see, including your body, into existence. And he chose to lower himself, not just a human form, but then let his creation put him on a cross willingly. In fact, right, I encourage you, you may not like blood, but I encourage you to go see the passion, to go rent it in whatever format you want and watch that movie. Obviously, everything's not going to be 100%, but it's pretty close. There's some license in there, but it's very, very close to the word. And at one point, he's being questioned. Jesus says, the only reason, I'm going to paraphrase, right? So, but he said, the only reason I'm about to go to this cross is because I'm letting you do that to me. You don't have any power over me that I'm not giving to you. Isn't that incredible? 
that Jesus. That's the Jesus we serve. And Jesus showed us the way. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. That means as he was so far from me, the soul had no control over him. His soul had no control. But yet, in order for his blood to be fair, to represent ours, the Bible says that he came in a human form. For his blood to be equal, for God to say, okay, your blood in exchange for Jesus' blood, he had to have a soul, a soul that warred with him. And we know that because the Bible says that Jesus was tempted. In order to be tempted, you can't just be pure spirit. The spirit can't be tempted. The spirit of God is not tempted, but the soul inside you can be tempted. But Jesus did what? What is so amazing what Jesus does when the devil brings him and has these temptations that he lays in front of him? Jesus responds with the word of God. Jesus responds with the word of God. The word of God is a foundation that is non-negotiable. It doesn't matter whether you like it or agree with it. It is what it is. And as I said um, during worship, the Bible says every knee will bow. I'd rather bow now. Who would rather bow now? (laughs) Who'd rather bow now on this earth? Not just because my eternity is at stake, but also because that's the best life that I could possibly have on this earth. You go try to do it on your own. (laughs) Who's been there? (laughs) Who's seen the repercussions of that? Your soul is fighting for control, but the Bible says that if you will let it, and the only way that the word does this is by putting it in there, getting it in there, getting it in there. Come on, just say it out loud. Getting it in there. You may think, what am I doing? What am I doing? Dawn has a tremendous testimony. She'll share it one day. She's not ready to share it yet. You don't need to come to the mic. But Dawn was struggling, and she's not ashamed of of her testimony, but she was struggling with fear, so crippling that she thought she was going to die. She'd wake up and wouldn't want to go back to sleep because she thought that if she did, she would not wake up. She was a Christian believing in Christ. Jesus is still her Savior. But she conquered it through the Word. She just started reading the truth of the Word over and over and over again. And she will tell you she didn't feel a change when she read the verse. Some verses the Lord spoke and really touched her. The rest of it was just just getting it in there. Just keep reading it. Maybe you feel like you're going through the motions. It's kind of like exercise. Who enjoys it during? Well, Dawn enjoys it during because she's sick. So, so does Megan, right? Anybody here who's, I don't know, the rest of you gym people here, but you guys enjoy it. Nobody enjoys it during. And maybe you don't feel like it's doing anything. You gotta, gotta look back a year later. Hopefully, if you've been consistent, your year later photo looks a little bit better than the last one. 
That's the power of the word. It starts cutting. It started exposing some things. It starts exposing inside you. It starts exposing your intents. It starts exposing why you think the way you do, why you do what you do. It starts exposing that, whoa, that's soul over there. That's not Christ-like. That's soul. And this is spirit. And then we have a choice. First, the word exposes it. Then what does the word ask us to do? The word says of itself, do not just be a reader of it, but be a doer. How do you do something that you didn't know you had to do? Are you just going to know? There are some things that we just know. Humanity just knows that you shouldn't murder. It's just in your DNA. But then there are other things that you need to teach your children. They go, I didn't know. They never know. (laughs) But we read it, we understand it in a place that's not in our mind, but in our heart, in a spirit place in us. And you know that place. I can't really describe it to you. I just have to say it. And if you're a believer, you know that place in you where the spirit is leading. The Lord starts touching you and he says, I want that thing in you. Give me that. I need you to give me that thing in you. It's dragging you down. I want to look at a verse to back that up. Give me that thing. And I'm going to put some of me in you. Let's go to the book. Let's stay in Hebrews and go to the chapter, rather, uh, 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And uh, we went through Hebrews 11 for the last week's and I had closed the very first service of Hebrews 11 with um, Hebrews 12 because it really sums it all up. Sums up everything about our faith when we just, we, we, we lay it all before God and, and we just give him everything. That's Hebrews 11, talking about this incredible faith where people just denied themselves and trusted God right till the very end. Some of them till their death. But then it says, therefore, therefore why? Therefore, because people be- before us there, there's, there's a crowd, there's a group of people that have, they have lived a life of faith. They showed that it was possible to deny yourself, to deny yourself right to the end. And some got their reward on this side in heaven and some didn't. Some never got their promise or the reward here on earth. Some are actually martyred for God, but received their reward in heaven. And because of that, let us, everybody say out loud, let us, let us. That's this group of people right here. (laughs) That's us. Let us, because God has shown us. In fact, we can just, we can take a little license and say, not just Hebrews 11, but let's take the entire Bible. Let's take the entire Bible and let's look at every character because it even says in Hebrews 11, I can't name, I don't have time in this chapter to name all the characters and everything that they did and how they trusted God. But let's take the whole Bible and say, because God's word is his word, and because it's shown us that there's a, there's a way. Come on, God has a way. Did you know that God has a way? He said, I'm the way. I'm the only way. I'm the truth and I'm the life. It's his way or the highway. And you know where the highway goes? The Bible says that narrow is the road that leads to life, but broad and wide is the road that leads to destruction. You don't want to go on the highway. I promise you that. Maybe it's hard for our minds to understand an eternity separated from God and hell, but believe me, 
Just believe me. You do not want to go that way. So we're not. Come on, we're not. Say, I'm not. I've chosen to follow Christ. And because of that, I'm willing to strip off every weight. We got to strip off every weight. The Bible tells us that slows us down. And it says, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. More traditional and more traditional text actually here in Hebrews 12:1 says, especially the sin that so easily ensnares us. The Bible actually calls sin a snare. Come on, say it out loud. Sin is a snare. Now don't shut down on me. Pastors have a tough time. As soon as we say the word sin, everybody in the church shuts down. Come on, raise your hand, everybody. Come on, everybody. I'm not shutting down. (laughs) Especially the sin that so easily ensnares us. And other texts, they say, besets us. I had to look that word up. Anybody know what the word beset means? It's an old word. It means to be covered. It means to be surrounded, besieged, to be hemmed in, shut in, fenced in, boxed in, encircled, enclosed. You know what sin does? Sin traps us. It holds us back. It says that there was a group of people that before us that shed it all off. They were willing right till their death, if necessary, to follow God. And then encourages us all the way here in 2018 to do the very same thing. Get the stuff off of you. Not because I just need it off of you because I'm God and just because I say that. He could. God could just say it because he says it. But also, he's revealing to us a secret. Don't you love that God doesn't just say, do it because I said so? He also says, I said so, but I'm going to tell you the secret why. Because when you don't let go of those things, they trap you. And you can't go any further. Who's been trapped in your life? Let's all be honest. We've all been trapped by things. And they kept us in a place that you are glad you're out of now. Come on. Jesus freed you, didn't he? He took you out. When you gave that thing to him, he took you out. And now that weight, who felt the weight leave? Who felt the burden leave? Who felt the snare that was on you, the trapping that was on you go off from you? God is good, isn't he? It says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 25, it says, Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts. And in the traditional text, New King James, New American Standard, it actually says that it would cause us to come to a place of repentance. And it says, And they will learn 
the truth. It says, instruct. The word is the key. We need the word. We cannot do it without his word. And sometimes we're all like the rest of us. We think we know his word. (laughs) Everybody in the world knows this verse. Don't judge. (laughs) Right? Everybody thinks they know what God says and what the Bible says, and they just pick and choose. But it says to gently instruct. I mean, it's got to be in love. It's not in love. There's no point. You're just falling on deaf ears. Just makes us harden more, doesn't it? We just get harder. But it says that when the truth is spoken, God can change. It gives God a chance. He can use the truth to start changing our heart. You need your heart changed. He doesn't need your stuff He doesn't need your good. He needs your heart because out of a good heart comes good works. But you try to give him good works before you give him your heart and you're just giving him junk. Thank you for that one yes. (laughs) But it says that when we, that God changes our hearts, that then we learn the truth. This is incredible though. Verse 26, everybody say then. Come on, again, then there's an outcome. When the truth is spoken and God starts changing our hearts and truth starts getting in there, then, only then, as an outcome, they will come to their senses. That's from last week. Remember that last week? Talking about coming to our senses. It takes time sometimes Faith takes time. Sometimes we got to go to the pigsty before we realize, right? Before we come to our senses. But we read about the prodigal son. Finally, though, what happened? He came to his senses. So it doesn't matter how long it takes, but we all got to come to this place where the finally that he just got the truth. Wait a second. The truth just started being spoken. Wait, in my father's house, I don't, need to, I don't need to be here any longer. I'll just go to my father's house. I'm just going to go home and just say I'm sorry and just give him my life. Remember, that's what he said. So once the truth gets in our heart and starts changing us and truth is there, it says that we come to our senses, which means that before the truth, we had no sense. We think we have sense. That's why you talk to, you pull 50 people out on the street right now and you ask them, what is good? You're going to get 50 different answers. Because how do you possibly define it through human terms? But God does something inside of us where it's just, it's just beyond us. Your senses, you came to your senses and you escape from the devil's trap. Did you know that the devil set a trap for you? Yeah, I'm aware. (laughs) I'm aware. He's had many traps on my path. And I thank God that the truth is the only thing that got us out of that trap. It was the truth. It was an eternal kingdom. It was that God is God. It was the fear of the Lord. We don't use that term much in Christianity anymore, the fear of the Lord. And, and the best way to describe it is like fear of your dad. You're not afraid of him. He loves you. He's going to have dinner there and he's going to take care of you. But you know, 
you don't want to disrespect him. Maybe that's too old school. Maybe this generation doesn't even understand what I'm talking about. But my generation and beyond understands that. That's the fear of the Lord. You just know who dad is. I wasn't afraid of him, but I had fear of him. Does that make sense? <laughs> I knew who he was. And you come to that place, man, you let the truth just start. You just got to keep getting that truth. Surround yourself in truth and surround yourself with truth. But you surround yourself with lies. The devil's already got you. When we come to our senses because of truth, we escape. Come on, everybody say it out loud. I've escaped the devil's trap. It said, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. In traditional texts, it actually says to do his will. So the Bible tells us that sin is a snare. And the Bible also tells us it was set by the devil. And when you're in it, we are not doing God's will, but the devil's will. Now Jesus came. Devil thought he got him. Come on. Devil thought he got him. That's it. Jesus is gone. Did my job. He's gone. And when he rose again, the devil was shocked and, and didn't understand what was happening that he didn't see behind the scenes that God actually was putting Jesus in my place and in your place. When I turn to God and when I turn to Christ, he takes that trap off of your life. Just takes it off. But it took you, it took first, you have to hear it. Then you got to let it in. You got to make the choice. I don't want this in my life. God will not do it without your permission. If he did, it wouldn't be free will. We'd just be robots. I've used this example many times. Whoever has a spouse in here, you don't want your spouse to love you because they have to. Robotic. You want them to love you because they chose to. Because it was hard <laughs> to love me. And I want you to love me anyway. That's what God wants. Although he's easy to love, we just don't realize. Devil makes it look hard. It's not hard. And we're held captive. And this is an interesting thing. We actually are doing our will outside of God. There's God's will. There's the devil's will. And there's my will. And my will can choose God or the devils. You have that choice. And you have that choice at every choice. Now, once we've keep the more, come on, Christians, you can identify. You've been walking with God for a while. Devil's got a harder time getting that trap around your leg anymore. I'm, I'm sorry, I keep thinking of the foot because I'm thinking of a foot snare, like a, like a trapper, old school hunter's trappers, right? The snare. The only, I mean, all that they do is get one leg and they got the whole thing. That animal's trapped. But I'm just picturing that like when I see these words, the devil's got, you can't, you're stuck. You might be walking around, but you're stuck. He's got you stuck. You cannot certainly like Hebrews 12, one and two says, run the race for God. You may be trying to run around. You might, who's been feeling like you're running in a rat race? 
It's because devil's got a trap on you. I was going somewhere with that thought process. But we choose out of free will to say, I don't want this thing in my life anymore. This thing's taking me down and I'm not going to let it take me down anymore. And we just give it over. Jesus, I give it over. I give it over. I can't do it on my own. That's where I was going. See, the Holy Spirit's good. That trap gets harder and harder to get back around your ankle. The more you start getting truth, the more truth has penetrated you, the more you're around other believers. It's harder to get that thing back on you because you know, I don't want that thing near me anymore. You first had to come to the revelation to get it off of you that sin is, wow, sin is not just a bad word. It's actually trapping me. It's actually keeping me from God's goodness and life and eternity. And once you realize that, you want it off of you. And the more you walk with him, what ends up happening is, is you don't just, there's this miraculous thing, Holy Spirit thing that's happening in response to our will, which is this, Jesus come in my life. Well, you don't actually take Jesus from heaven and put him in your life. He does that part. Come on. You do your part, he does his part. And now you say, Jesus, I want this sin off of me. You have told him that you want to make the choice. You've surrendered, but you are not capable of kicking it. You've tried that before. So now Jesus comes in authority and in the, res- in the rescuer that he is, in the same power that raised him from the dead, and he comes and he gets that thing off of you. Come on, who's experienced that? But it requires us to keep surrendering, keep surrendering, keep surrendering. Just say that out loud. Keep surrendering. Jesus is going to ask you things that you don't want to hear. He's going to ask you to give him things that you don't want to give him. Let's go there. Let's look. Jesus said in Matthew... Actually, firstly, as we go there, uh, I just want to read verse 2, Hebrews 12, verse 2. And there's the the answer, and I've already said it, but I want to read the verse. Hebrews 12, 2 gives us the answer. It says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. You can't overcome. You can't run the race for God. You can't do it on your own. We do it by putting our eyes on him, which is what? Your will. Not my way, your way, God. I'm just going to let it all go. I, I want this weight off of me. He takes it off of you. I want truth. I'll give you truth. I want peace. I'll give you peace. You ask him, he'll give it to you. The Bible tells us to seek and you will find. God is not a liar. You seek him, you're going to find him. You want the truth? You're going to find the truth. When we don't know the truth, it's, you know what, you guys want to hear? Wow, I'm about to say something really sharp. When you don't have the truth, it's because you don't want to hear it. That's the truth. I don't know. I'm afraid to go find out, is what we're really saying. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus, the champion, 
Man, he's the one, he's the author, and he's the finisher. He initiated and he will perfect our faith. It's all about Jesus. And let's go, I'm going to bring you somewhere a little bit different, but I want you to look in, in, in the book of Matthew and verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 16. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're so good to us. Thank you, Lord. Just open our hearts, Lord. Open our minds, Lord. Get us to see the truth. It's the truth. The Bible says that the truth sets you free. If you've been in bondage, it's because the truth is around you. You might be aware of it. Let it in. Surrender. There's only one way to God, and it's total surrender. Not partial. It does not work. And here we have a man, it says in Matthew 19, verse 16, someone came to Jesus with this question, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Isn't that so interesting, man? You, this is so relevant. It's so relevant because the world's going to ask, well, just tell me what to do. I'll just do good stuff. That's easy, isn't it? Come on, someone say out loud, that's the easy way. <laughs> I'll just do something good. God's going to honor that. I can do good. He said, why ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good, referring to God the Father, right? Referring to God. Jesus is there. He doesn't fully realize, and Jesus is included in that, right? More traditional text, he says, why do you call me good? He says, but to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments, Jesus tells us. What's the way to eternal life? There's no confusion. The Bible is not confusing. It is black and white. If, come on, this is out of the horse's mouth, not to demean Christ, call him a horse, but this is right from the one who created the language, who created the ability to speak. So it's not a messenger. Right from the mouth of God himself says... If you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. That's it. That's it. He said to him, though, verse 18, come on, this is where the story gets good. This is what we all do. Ready? Which ones? Come on, we all do this. You don't realize you're doing it, but you start rattling off to God all the good that you do for him. That's what he does. He says, which ones? The man asked, and then Jesus replied, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely. In verse 19, he says, and honor your father and your mother and love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 20, I've obeyed all these commandments. I've done all those things. First of all, like last week, we realized that even when you think you're good, the Lord's got a way of showing us that we're not. He's still working on us. And that's not him condemning us. That's him freeing us. Right? He creates a situation in our life that, so that bitterness comes out. And you're like, where's this bitterness coming from? I thought I was free. And he's not doing it so that you're bitter. He's doing it so that it shows up. So he says, now give it to me and I'll take it from you. And he does, doesn't he? 
I've obeyed all these. What things should I do? Jesus lays out a few. I've done all those. I got this. What else must I do? When's the last time we truly ask God if we're doing everything he wants us to do? When's the last time we've truly evaluated our lives and said, from cover to cover, Lord, am I living my life according to your word? Am I living? And, and I've already painted the picture for you. You can't do that on your own, and he's not expecting you to. It's only with your eyes set on Christ that you're even capable. It's not asking you to do something that he won't help you do. But when's the last time that you just said, wait a second, what else? God's about to ask him something that's sharp. God's about to go to the place that he wants in every single one of us. In every one of us. He said, verse 21, if you want to be perfect, come on, I want you to say it out loud. I want to be perfect. Not because we want to be, you know, prideful and be super people. Supreme Christianity. I've heard the, the world say the born again supremacy, which is kind of funny. But we, it's a derogatory term against us, by the way. It's not good. But that's not us. We don't want that. We want to be perfect because God, the Bible says, God said, I'm holy, so you be holy. He wants you to be perfect, and we should want to be perfect, not because so we can show everybody how perfect we are, because then you've got some issues deep inside that God's still got to deal with. But because he's perfect, and he wouldn't ask us to do that and wouldn't tell us, he wouldn't even have answered him if it wasn't possible. But he tells him, he says, go and sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. Verse 22, but when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Now don't write me off. Listen, let's just put the fact that this guy was a rich guy on the shelf. And instead, let me paint this picture for you, because this is what Jesus is saying. You, you, and you, and you, and you, all of us. You've done such and such. I'm not interested in your list. I want your heart. And this particular young man, money had his heart. People have used this to talk about money. It's really not talking about money, although that is a, there's a relevant point. Jesus continues, so we, you, know, you could touch that. That's there. But that's not the heart of this. Jesus is saying, what has your heart? Because the Bible says where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. We want our treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves cannot break in and steal. I don't want a temporary treasure here on earth. I want my heart to be in his heart right now so that when this life ends, it remains where it already is. And that's what he's saying to us. If you want to be perfect, give me everything. Now, I do not expect anybody to put your life savings in our offering box today <laughs> because that is not what this is about. In fact, if you even think it is, don't give to us today. I don't want you to go home thinking it's about money. The Lord is after your heart. He wants everything. 
He wants you to give him everything. There are areas in us that we have said, I'll give you this far, God. Come on, we can all identify with this. But this area is mine. I'll I'll take care of this area. I'll work on this. In fact, we say something sophisticated like this. Ready? This is super Christian. Let me get it ready for you. Let me work on it so that I can give it to you better. Doesn't work like that, does it? But come on, you're laughing because you know you all say something like that in your own words. God's good to us, isn't he? He loves us so much. And you know what he says? Peter says to him in 27, I'm going to close with this. Peter says, but Jesus, we've given you everything. What will we get? He's saying, I've given, we're following you. We've decided, we've decided to follow you. We've given up everything. And Jesus says in verse 29, everyone who has given up, everyone who has given up, whatever it is, whatever he's asked you, if he's asked you to give me that thing in your life, it's not so that you can, just to make you suffer. If you've given up, you will receive and inherit eternal life. If we are not willing to give God that thing, then we truly have not finished the foundation to coming to Christ, which is repentance. Jesus offers us everything. And in return, all we have to do is repent. All repentance is, is complete and total submission to him. Just, I give up. Your will, not my will, your will be done. He loves you every single day. He loves you whether you make that choice or not. He loves you today. He'll love you tomorrow. He'll love you into eternity. But share in that love now by just giving it all to him. Let's stand. We thank you, Jesus, for your love. It's so good. We thank you, Lord. I pray that even if our minds heard this word a different way, Lord, I pray that we will not leave this room, Lord, without hearing this word from your heart. I pray that your spirit right now in Jesus' name would anoint your word and get it down into that place where we need to change, Lord, the place that we have not surrendered, the places in us where we've given you thus far, and we said, I've done all this, but I'm not willing yet to give you this. Lord, deal with that in us. Shine your light and show us, Lord, what that area is, and then I thank you, Lord. You're going to help us. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses to walk that life out. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.